0: Advent, the arrival of a notable person. The notable person. Christ, the God-man. Jesus, hope for the hopeless. Peace for the restless. Joy for the joyless. Love for the unlovable. Christ, the King. Marvel at His wisdom. Rejoice in His kindness. Yearn for His return. The final Advent, bringing perfect peace to a restored world forever. We continue with our Advent series today and we'll kick it off for us a couple weeks ago. We're looking at Christ coming and bringing hope to the world and then Joby following that up with peace in the world through Christ and then today we're looking at joy to the world and I am so, so excited uh, that we have this series, that we can be once again reminded of Christ coming. You know, I love Christmas. Anybody in here just love Christmas? Let me see your hand. I mean, you just love Christmas. Me too. I mean, when you have, well, I can't, I can't, well, I'll go ahead and tell you. You know, when you ask those secret passwords on, you know, different accounts, they say, what's your favorite holiday? I'm like, duh, Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, I love, just love the time. I love uh, Nat King Cole. I love Michael Buble. I mean, judge me if you want, but I love it. I mean, I love, Uh, The Pandora stations that I set for Christmas. I love just listening to it. And I love Christmas movies. Uh, When it comes to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, I love that 24-hour marathon that's going to be on. I mean, I eat those things up, including the candy that comes along with the season. But, you know, I absolutely love it. I love it. And you know what? If, If it was all about that for me, I would fall into the Christmas blues that happens on December 26th when the lights come down. Or maybe you don't take your lights down until after New Year's or further than that. Shame. No, but Christmas blues when, you know, the lights just aren't the same. And, and you can listen to that King Cole or Michael Buble, but uh, the Christmas music just doesn't seem the same on the 26th as it did on the 25th and before then. Maybe 330 more days and, and it would be all good. But when it comes to the movies and everything that's about Christmas, it kind of loses its meaning if it's just about a holiday. You know, maybe it just absolutely drove you crazy when a local, well, not local, nationwide, worldwide coffee store decided to change their cups and go red. Okay, that may have bothered you. You know what? I could care less. (laughs) I could care less. I'd drink coffee from a cup. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not up to a coffee store to determine what Christmas is all about. Um, some things we just get too carried away in, I guess, but, you know, Christmas is about Christ. It's not about snowflakes on a coffee cup, amen? And, uh, I am so excited that we can look to Jesus and have joy, because we can enjoy all the things surrounding Christmas, and you may have heard some of the things and go, oh, Brian, you mean, you, you sound pretty secular when you're talking about this. Look, I enjoy all the pageantry around Christmas, I do, But I enjoy Christ the most. And I enjoy giving presents. I I enjoy receiving presents. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. But to be reminded of the greatest gift that we have is Christ. And so I want us to be reminded of that today because we we fall into this trap when it comes around Christmas. And we say things like, well, I just can't enjoy Christmas. I just can't enjoy it. And it may be because of circumstances. It may be something family-related, a tragedy. And, And I get that to a certain point, but we should always be able to enjoy Christmas, because we should always be able to enjoy Christ, no matter what our circumstances, and let us be reminded of that today, so we're looking in Luke chapter 2, it's a very familiar Christmas passage, I just want to encourage you, you don't have to just keep it to Christmas, like your Christmas music, I mean, you can read this passage all throughout the year, but Luke chapter 2, if you will turn there with me, and we're going to look at verses 8 and following And the the first point I want us to look at, we're going to make kind of four points today, four observations. Uh, The first one is that light bursts forth through the darkness. Read with me in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. And I just want to pause because I'm I'm moving a little quick. If you don't have a Bible, look in front of you. And if you, you may grab that Bible and and catch up with us. Page 857, uh, the book of Luke, third book of the New Testament. And uh, if you do not own a Bible, you may take that Bible with you as a gift and that you would read the word with us today and that you would continue to read the word uh, throughout the coming days. So here we are in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. What were these shepherds doing? They were in a field. It was dark. It was at night. They were there was more than one shepherd, and they were probably on rotation. And they were out in the middle of a field, and so they have to protect their sheep from all predators. And this could be wild animals. Uh, It could also be thieves who would want to come and take of their sheep, okay, because that would mean money in their pocket. So they're keeping watch. They're hanging out that night. Look, shepherds We kind of paint a pretty picture of them, and and I'm going to read a quote in just a minute about that. But we paint a pretty picture of them, but really they weren't very popular. Um, One, they they smelled like sheep, okay? They smelled like outside play, okay, all the time. And they were off to themselves many times because they were looking after their sheep. And this was no different on this night. It was dark (laughs) all around them. They're probably rotating on shifts, and all of a sudden something happens. Something glorious happens. Light comes into the darkness. Let me tell you about these shepherds because it's quite significant that we see God coming to shepherds. This is what Robert H. Stein, New Testament scholar, says. He says, One should not romanticize the occupation of shepherds. In general, shepherds were dishonest and unclean according to the standards of the law. They represent the outcasts and sinners for whom Jesus came. Such outcasts were the first recipients of the good news. So he didn't go to the palace. He didn't go to the kings. I mean, we're going to see next week what a, what a king wanted to do to Jesus early on, an earthly king. But no, he goes to shepherds. He goes to the outcast. He goes to the smelly ones. He goes to ones people don't want to hang out with. And isn't it appropriate, too, that they're going to be informed about Jesus, who is the good shepherd? And here we have these shepherds who aren't good. They're not, they're not good in their hearts, okay? We don't see anything. We're not made aware of anything in them that waiting. that's waiting for God to come. They're not sitting there having a prayer meeting and thinking, come God, bring an angel, bring your presence all around us, light up this darkness, we're waiting on you so that as soon as the angel shows up, they'll be like, hey, we've been praying, we've been waiting on you. No, as soon as that angel comes in God's presence, is around them, they're fearful. They have great fear. And this is their response to the glory of the Lord. Get this. You may not fear God. You may not even believe that God exists. But I am a firm believer in God's word, and God's word points to us and shows us that everyone will fear his name. Everyone will bend a knee to him and confess that he is Lord. And these shepherds at this moment are fearful because, why? I mean, it was dark. They were cool with their shift. Everything was going well. And God interrupts the darkness with his glorious light. What a beautiful picture for us. So let's make the application early today. The light of knowledge bursts through into our darkened hearts. Like the shepherds who are sitting in the darkness, we are sitting in the dark. We have darkened hearts towards God. Hearts that are not on fire for God, hearts that have no illumination for who God is. We may hear other people speak of who God is. We may read books, but until the light of knowledge comes into our hearts, there is no response back to God. See, it is God who brings forth the light into darkness. That's how it always works. That ha- that's how it has to work. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, for he said that in the very beginning, has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, you can hear about Jesus You can come to church. But what we trust is that this light of knowledge coming from God will illuminate your heart so that when you hear this good news, there is a response. There is a repentance. This is all throughout God's Word. God brings light into the darkness. And why is there darkness? Well, of course, physical darkness, because that's how God created the night and the day. But what I'm talking about spiritually, why is there darkness in man's heart? Because we see it from the very beginning. So if we were to take the opposite of what is joy, we could say bitterness. That's something that a lot of us have. We hold on to that bitterness, and oftentimes we point that bitterness to God. And should we be surprised that we have that attitude? Because in the very beginning there at the tree, when God says, don't eat of this tree, basically grabbing that fruit and eating of it, which is what Adam and Eve did, it's an attitude towards God. And here's the attitude. How dare you? How dare you hold something back from me that I think is good? You see that? As soon as you reach out to take that fruit, you become the center of your world. And there's bitterness. As soon as they ate that fruit, they realized they were naked. And man is is naked. He does not like to be exposed. We don't like true testimony time where we expose the true darkness in our lives. But sin produces this darkness and this separation from God. And these shepherds are no different. And here God comes to them. He he sends an angel. Could have been Gabriel. We don't know. We didn't get the name. But there's an angel. They're fearful of him, just like everybody else is fearful when they see angels. So what what do we learn about that, about angels in the Bible? They're bad dudes, okay? Like big dudes, all right? Not the little small, little cute angels, okay? Maybe you bought somebody that for a present. I'm sorry, all right? But they're serious. And they're all about giving glory to God. They're warriors. These men, just shepherds, they're not looking for a light, but light comes upon them. And we'll read later in in John chapter 8, verse 12, that Jesus is the light of the world. And again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Does that not apply to this text? That here these men are in physical darkness and now there is light around them and that light is going to drive them to Jesus who is the light of the world. This is where true joy comes from. The second observation that we see is there is good news of great joy. So God didn't just come and have his presence around them just to scare them. It's not what God's all about, just scaring people with his holiness, No, he is informing them of good news, which will bring great joy. So this fear can turn into joy. And again, the angel said to them, this is verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I just pause right there for a second. When they hear this for all the people, boy, don't you know that was good news to shepherds? Because they weren't religious men. They weren't the guys walking in the streets that everybody looked to and said, man, if anybody is going to be in heaven, it's that guy. No. Probably the opposite was said about them. And all of a sudden, they hear this news that it's for all people. And they go, hey, we fit into that category. We have hope. Maybe you're here today, and there's something... That you have going on in your life, or that you've done in your life, and you're thinking, There's no way that a holy God would want to have anything to do with me. Oh, yeah, he wanted to have something to do with some shepherds. All people. You fit into that category, understanding that you're no different. It's not that you can't be loved by God, there is hope in the gospel. Verse 11 For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is Please. I mean, this is setting up like a great movie, right? I mean, it's just building, it's building, it's building. I mean, all of a sudden it's one angel, and now there's multiple angels all around. But the best is yet to come, and it's going to happen in the least expected time in this little manger. But here, their fear is being turned to joy. And for all people. It's good news for outcast shepherds. It's good news for all of us who are considered outcasts. Because we have sin in our lives, and that God still wants to have something to do with us, and yet He can do something about it. I want to take a moment right here when we're talking about joy. A lot of times I would kind of pause and say, Let me explain the difference between happiness and joy. Because, you know, happiness seems to be an emotion, a thrill, Uh, it's temporary, but I heard a really good. podcast this week, Randy Alcorn, he was speaking on this, that really when you look in the Bible, uh, you don't really see a difference between happiness and joy. A lot of times they're interchangeable. And that was enlightening for me because a lot of times I want to say, hey, don't seek after happiness, seek after joy. But the downside of that, when we, when we tell people the difference between happiness and joy, they look at joy as something that's not really enjoyable. But no, it is. Man, it'll put a smile on your face. It'll warm your heart. And it guides your steps. So I'm not going to try to determine the difference between uh, happiness and joy today, but let us just be clear that you want true happiness and true joy only found in Christ. And, And this is the news that's being brought to these men who are sitting in the middle of a field around a bunch of sheep, thinking that they are the least likely. You know, you can sit around the tree this year and you may have some... Hard things to deal with this Christmas. You may be thinking, I don't really even want a tree in the house. Um, but you know what? You, you can still have joy. You can still have joy. And this isn't me standing before you saying, hey, I know how you feel. Because really, I don't. I don't know how you feel. I mean, I know how I feel through my circumstances. But I do know that God knows how you feel. And he brought the remedy with his son, Jesus, so that no matter what you face, you can still have joy. You can have hope. This can be a good season for you. You don't have to declare this a bad season. It can be good all because of what Christ has done. That is good news. And that is the news that's being brought to these men. But also, don't get caught up just in the Christmas trees, in the presents, in the eggnogs, especially not too much eggnog, right? I mean, just enjoy the season, but don't, get too caught up in it that you forget that really this season is Christ. Every day is Christ, but especially when you're, when you're celebrating a birthday party. Can you imagine going to somebody's birthday party and then everybody going and opening up the kid's presents, enjoying his presents, hanging out with each other, and nobody ever talks to the birthday boy? Now, I don't think for a moment that Jesus sits in the corner and he's pouting because people aren't paying attention to him. Don't, don't mishear me on that. But I'm saying, we miss it. We miss it when we have something as awesome as Christmas, and yet we forget the true joy that is in Christ. It's a genuine joy. It's a genuine happiness. And it's so genuine, it's so real, that we couldn't have it absent from God. That we see in Galatians chapter 5 that God sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of the followers of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, the Holy Spirit lives in you. If that's not a picture of God's grace, I don't know what is. That we were once enemies, and now he comes to live inside of us. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So when you have this joy, when you have this happiness, it's coming from God. God's giving you the joy. God's giving you the happiness from within us. He is a God that is interactive with us day in and day out. He's not distant, aloof, where is God Where are you, God? If you're a follower of Christ, he's living inside of you, and yet he reigns supreme, he's omnipresent. He is everywhere. Oh, God is here. The third observation is that God came down to them to deliver the good news. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. See, they didn't even know Jesus was born until God revealed this news to them. And they weren't looking for a way to God. They weren't sitting there developing a plan, how do we get to God? And even if they crafted a good plan of how can I get to God, it would have fallen short, fall of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Maybe right now in your life you're trying to put together an awesome plan of how you can get God to like you more or favor your life, and it's gonna fall short, absent from Christ. It is God who has to come to us. God initiated bringing Jesus into this world. This was his plan before the foundations. If you wanna take a look in Ephesians chapter one and just read through that, you'll see this was a plan from the very beginning. God didn't have to step back and punt in the garden because man messed up, no. Man messed up, but God had a plan all throughout that this day was coming. He comes to these men, just like he comes to us, and he reveals this good news. You see, because we have no way to get to him, so he comes to us. How, how does he come to us? He comes to us as we preach the word, and you hear this, and your heart lights up. I've heard people say, well, how do I know if God's speaking to me or if God's drawing me? I don't know if I can be saved, if God's sovereign. You know what? It's, it's not for you to figure out how God is sovereign in all of his mighty ways. But that you hear the good news, and does your heart light up when you hear the gospel, when you hear about Jesus? Right now, you're hearing this, and you're going, hey, okay, Christ, he brings true joy. I don't have Christ. How do I get Christ? That, that's where you are. And it's us looking to him, trusting in his word, which he has left for us. And he brought a word to them as they're sitting in the field. Because these men just going to tell you they didn't have the New Testament to go by, it was being written. <laughs> it was happening in their day. The fourth thing that we see: The good news of great joy draws them to worship. They needed God to come and inform them, and then they go. We see obedience. That's how it works. How do you know you've been drawn by God? You obey. You follow. You follow. These men, they, they follow. them. So God leads them to a manger. Could have been a cave. They may have known this exact location. They may have used it before with some of their animals. And they show up, and when they show up, they see Jesus lying there before them, just like a sheep. And he's the good sheep. He's the pure sheep. He's a sheep with no blemish lying there before them. They've never seen a better sheep than the one there before them. And yet also he's the good shepherd. The good shepherd drawing other shepherds. And yet they arrive there and they see the greatest part of all of this, all of this good news. and There is Jesus in the flesh. King of kings, Lord of lords, being born in a manger. These guys can look to Jesus and go, I can relate. I can relate. Again, his God is whole, and we're not. But that doesn't mean that God forever separates himself from us. We have the hope in Jesus. And when you look to Jesus, just as these shepherds look to Jesus, you can then relate. You can then be brought to God. And I'm not trying to speak salvation for these men. I mean, they saw something miraculous. But as we relate this to our lives, are you looking to Jesus? Do you trust in him that he is the pure lamb? No spot, no blemish. And that all of us, We have spots and blemishes all over us. And we needed him to come to be our sacrifice. Because he he wasn't going to live on this earth forever. No, he came to die. He defeated death on the cross. He shed his blood. His body was broken for us. So that when we can walk away, we can walk away from the manger and we can go... (laughs) I can have true joy. I can have true joy. What is it right now in your life that's hindering you from having this true joy? What is it? What's happened? What's happening? What's going on underneath the surface? What's being hidden? May it be brought to light. Maybe this has been a terrible season for you. You know, we don't always feel like serving God, do we? Do we? Maybe you do. But we know the truth is, no, we don't. There are things all around us that want to steal our joy. And if we try to take material things or season and plug it in and I think it's Will was speaking about this and and Joby alluded to this as well this this hole within us we try to fill it with a bunch of presents with a bunch of joyful moments then all of a sudden we realize those things run empty they get old I was just talking to somebody this week we were just talking about new vehicles how cool a new vehicle is but you know what a new vehicle doesn't stay new very long All of a sudden, you drive for a little bit, and you go, man, I need something new. And so goes our life. But with Christ, every day is new. Every day is good. Every day has hope. Every day, you can have peace. Every day, you can have joy. And listen to Spurgeon, who's a great Baptist, by the way. This is what he said. He said, when the heart is full of joy, it always allows its joy to. To escape it is like the fountain in the marketplace whenever it is full, it runs away in streams, and so soon as it ceases to overflow, you may be quite sure that it has ceased to be full. The only full heart is the overflowing heart, and these men left the manger with hearts overflowing with joy. What a privilege that they were able to see. God in the flesh, that God invited them in. Hey, I want to show you something. Come here, shepherds. I want you to see something. The most unlikely of candidates invited to have a front row seat right there. I think we can all relate to that today. So let's just deal with Christmas for a moment because I believe it's important. I don't think it ever needs to be just a stereotype, stereotypical, and just move on. Really, Will this Christmas be special for you, you? Notice I didn't say you and your family, for you, that you look to Jesus. Do you have this joy in Christ? And if you don't, do you find yourself today sitting in your seat wanting this joy? That you hear this good news and and you are drawn to this good news and just like the shepherds, as they had this light around them and they were drawn to the manger, you're drawn to this good news today. Look to Jesus. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. He's the only one who can bring you deep-rooted joy. You can find great meaning in your life no matter what you face. At least you always have joy and trust in the Father's plan. So will you put your trust in Him today? Where you're seated, just call upon Him. I trust in you, Lord. I look to you, you and, and you alone, Jesus alone. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here, and you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't have joy right now. You don't have joy because you think it's God that's done something wrong. And you couldn't be more wrong about that. God's perfect. God's righteous. He's just. If He's not, we're in trouble. And so will you look to Him, the very one that you feel has offended you, and will you confess your sin to Him as you have offended Him? will you trust in the gift of Christ, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy went to the cross, scorning its shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is your joy. I don't think you have joy, I don't think you have happiness without Jesus. I'm so grateful that he has come and that we have the privilege of being at this time in history where we look back at his coming, but here's the last part. Jesus will come again. He will come again. He may come today. He may come tomorrow. And if some of us are just true, we'd say, I'm not ready for him to come because I have loved ones that want to follow Jesus. I understand that. I understand that. Hey, let's be praying for our loved ones. Let's go reach them. Let them see the overflowing joy of Christ in your life. And pray that that too will draw them to Christ. Let them see Jesus. Let them hear Jesus. Christ is coming. There ought to be an excitement in our hearts that he is coming to fulfill this great plan of God. And that there, when he comes, this is what it will look like he will receive those who are his, those he bought, At the cross, there was payment made at the cross. It's true. It's been done. It's already been done. He's not waiting to finish up paying off an account. No, He's already paid for you on the cross. Those who put your faith and trust in Him, do you believe in Him? Are you following Him? He's coming back. The second advent. We can have joy in this too. On the table, we have bread and we have a cup and this is our communion time and communion is only for those who follow jesus believe me it's not because we have a better than you attitude of those who don't follow jesus and i could be further from the truth it's because we understand we have been enlightened we we follow jesus we know the body and the blood and so if you're not a follower of jesus today I'll make myself available, and other pastors will be here up front and in the back. You can come talk to us. We would love to talk with you about following Jesus. That's your greatest need. It's a relationship with Jesus before you ever come to the table. If you are a follower of Jesus today, uh, I invite you to come. You know, when we examine our hearts, sometimes we hold on to things, and we think, I can't go receive communion because of things I've done. It's not the things you've done, because believe me, if it's the things we've done, guess what? None of us are coming up here but it's because of what Christ has done. The examination is, is there's something that you're holding on to right now stubbornly that you're just not going to let go that would lead you to just come flippantly dip a piece of bread in a cup and then move on and not have any change. I believe any time we come to the table, it should generate change in our lives. Not that there's salvific purposes in this, but it reminds us of what Christ has done. So church, as we enter into a time of examination, just... Lay down any unconfessed sin. Take this opportunity. What a great moment to do this. And reflect upon the joy that is in Christ and Christ alone. And you come to receive communion as the Lord so leads you. If you don't feel led to take communion today, by all means, you you stay seated where you are. You shouldn't be concerned with what other people think but what the one who created you thinks. Look to him. Let him work on your heart at this time. Let us pray. Father, thank you for communion. We thank you for this message, Lord, joy in Christ. May we carry this with us. May we often reflect how you came and revealed your glory to these shepherds, led them straight to the manger. We thank you how you work in our lives, how you reveal to us knowledge of who you are, that we can have true repentance and that we can look to Jesus and follow Jesus and have an overflowing joy that's abundant. Father, thank you for this Christmas season. May we as followers of Christ have the greatest joy and most to celebrate. We ask your blessings on this, this table, this bread, as we remember Jesus' body beaten, a perfect body that took upon our sins I trust fully that Jesus paid for every last sin of mine on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for me. Thank you, Father, for that gift, which we are so undeserving of. As we pick up that bread and we hold it in our hands, may we be reminded that you sent your Son to this earth to bring us salvation, to bring us great joy. And when we dip into the cup, may we remember the blood that was shed for us, the only blood that could cleanse us from all of our sin. What great joy we can have as we come to the table. Lord, bless this meal we receive. It's all because of Jesus. Amen.